We all know the feeling of the post-Christmas letdown. It's really mostly a holdover from childhood. It's that feeling when all the presents are unwrapped and all the plastic packaging has been put in the trash, stockings have been emptied, everything's been played with. It's usually like three hours into the day in my house, but you know. Um, It's not exactly disappointment, although it's related to that. It's sort of a malaise. The realization that there are 364 more days until we get to do that again. And even 300 days until we can start looking forward to carols and trees in the mall again. Easter doesn't really have that same reputation. If I had to guess, I'd say it has to do with the presence and the different commercialization of the two holidays. Easter doesn't have out there the same wow factor. I mean, the bunny is great and all, don't get me wrong, but he doesn't really hold a candle to Santa Claus in sheer present volume or in anticipatory glee. I would guess that most of you were back to business as usual by the afternoon of Easter this year with little letdown to speak of. Now, liturgically speaking, I would say we're kind of due for a letdown at this point. Easter does, of course, as we all know, last for 50 days. But by the time Easter Day gets here, we've been deep inside of Lent for nearly that long. Once the Feast of the Resurrection has come and gone, many of us are just so glad that Lent is over. We are happy for an emotional letdown to relax a little. The explosion of joy that is Easter Day around here has plenty to lift our souls. We're no longer tied up in knots about our sinfulness or self-examination. We no longer need to look deeply into the well of that passion story. We can drift through the Easter season without quite so much drama. I think the story of Thomas comes just at the right time. We read this story every year on the Sunday after Easter. We have ended Lent. We've heard the passion. We've celebrated almost maniacally around here the resurrection. We have confessed our exuberant belief in the defeat over death. And we've settled down a little bit. We're ready to hear these resurrection stories for the next few weeks. We're ready to drift through. And then... In that drift, we hear Thomas saying out loud that thing that we are a bit chagrined to say ourselves, especially while there's still Cadbury eggs on the kitchen counter. Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. Did he just say that out loud? 
Is he allowed to say that? The lilies haven't even wilted yet. This is the kind of talk that should be reserved for private conversations, if at all, and in any other season than the one we're celebrating this very event. Good grief, Thomas. Show a little decorum. For centuries, we have been casting aspersions on poor Thomas. We can wag our fingers at doubting Thomas and feel pretty good about it. We get our fussy church faces on, and we feel morally superior. We weren't there, after all. Blessed are we who put on a huge celebration every year for this resurrection event without getting to stick our fingers anywhere close to those wounds. If Thomas were as holy as we are, he wouldn't need proof, now would he? He's an easy target, poor Thomas. He says those cringe-worthy words that forever mark him in history as that guy. And really, if we are honest, he's been carrying our doubts around like a knapsack full of rocks for a couple thousand years. I said it. Our doubts. Because we all have them, nestled in there with the alleluias. Sometimes they rear their heads in dark and lonely times. Sometimes we just carry our questions around when we're learning about the depth of our biblical tradition. I think doubts also surface during these times in the Christian year when the mysteries are closest to the top. When we are joyfully proclaiming the resurrection as accomplished, as proof that God is alive and well, and the doubts creep in. The Lord is risen, death is accomplished, God reigns over all, and yet we doubt. I wonder, in fact, if our doubts now, in the 21st century, are even more pronounced than they ever have been. Beyond even the scientific age, we live in a time when anything and everything can be right before our eyes, right at our own fingertips in an instant. Can't remember the name of that actor? Looking for a really great recipe for kale smoothies. The periodic table, Mein Kampf, Adorable puppy videos, boom, at our fingertips, every minute of any day. We have access to all of the answers for all of the things. So of course we doubt. We've been trained to doubt. We're incredibly good at it, mostly because there is so much information in our world. So many questions have already been answered, and we can find those answers if we want them. The story of Thomas reminds us that we are not alone in our doubting. We are, in fact, in very good company. We are in the company of one of the chosen apostles, one of the closest followers of Christ. He he who had the answer at his own fingertips. Because remember, 
In that room, everyone had seen the resurrected Christ. They dined with him. They saw his wounds with their very eyes. Jesus is not blessing the gathered apostles around him for their blind faith. Remember, every one of them has the benefit of falling in the same category as Thomas. They have the privilege of basing their faith on things seen. So who is it, then, that Jesus is talking about? He's talking about us. All of us. All of us throughout history who have struggled to figure out what in the world the boundaries of belief are. Jesus is calling us Blessed, we who try to believe even though we cannot touch. This is not at our fingertips. We can touch the water of baptism. We can taste the bread and the wine of the Eucharist, but we cannot put our fingers in his side. This is not available to us. And so Jesus is naming us as blessed because we continue to wrestle with our own demons of doubt in the Easter season, in the Christmas season, in the seasons of our lives, both light and dark. We wrestle, we wish for proof, we desire evidence, and yet in the end, we find belief to cling to, sometimes shaky, sometimes rock-solid, Thomas is a gift to the faithful. Thomas's story reminds us that doubt is part of faith. Questions and the paths we take to answer them are all part of a journey. The dark places are as important as the light places for learning who we are as beloved children of God. Thomas reminds us that there are great Lessons to be had in doubt. What has come to be known as Jesus' rebuke to Thomas, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not yet seen and have come to believe. Is actually less a condemnation of Thomas and more a bolstering for those of us who follow Christ. We have come to believe, some days more fully than others, but we believe, we question, we struggle, we doubt, but we continue to land, after a fashion, at belief. And for that, among many other things in this strange and marvelous life of faith, we are indeed blessed. Amen.